welcome pewter report readers viewers and listeners to a brand new edition of the pewter report podcast energized by celsius the official energy drink of pewterreport.com and the pewter post game show well the bucks fought hard they tried to make it a game but ultimately uh ended up on the wrong side of a 27 to 14 score the Bucks dropped to four and six on the season after they lose to the 49ers. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is Scott Reynolds of PeterReport.com. Scott, it was close, but yeah. at the end of the day, the Bucks just couldn't make some plays when it mattered most. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of what we expected, right? This this was a, a game that was going to be a 49ers win, probably a little lopsided. At the same time, though, this, this game it was a little closer than even I expected it to be. And they had some opportunities to make it even closer. But we saw a couple things. The 49ers, their explosiveness on offense. Uh, the, the turnover margin, the Buccaneers lost that two to nothing. The defense didn't take away any points. The secondary looked bad. Jamel yeah. Dean looked bad. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, I'm not surprised by it. The Buccaneers fought to the, the very end. Um, they played hard for Bowles. He said that after the game, he also said there's no moral victories. And I agree with that. I, I, I don't think there should be moral victories. You should play to win and be pissed off when you lose. But if we're looking at it objectively, I, I think maybe with the exception of Brock Purdy's perfect game, I guess we can call him Brock perfect now. But with the exception of, of that element to this, I think the Buccaneers actually played better against the 49ers this year than they did a year ago when they lost 35 to seven, at least the scoreboard indicates that. And I think they did maybe a little bit more things offensively than they did a year ago, even with Tom Brady. But at the end of the day, this is a loss. It was a loss to be expected. And now the Buccaneers real season starts because they've got seven games left. You have to win at least five of these games to get the nine and eight and either put themselves in position to win the division or make a wild card spot, Matt. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier on on the uh, on the pregame show and everything. I was like, if there was a game to lose for the Bucks, it would have been this one against the 49ers yeah. with the fact that, you know, the Saints aren't playing today and neither are the Atlanta Falcons. They both have buys. Um, and this is the toughest opponent remaining on the schedule for the Bucs. Obviously, the Jaguars as well, but in terms of uh, just pure greatness of a team, San Fran is definitely one of the the more difficult options. Not much really has changed. Like my my opinion doesn't change that much even after this loss for the Bucks. I mean, we've asked for them to play more man coverage. We can't get mad when they yeah. don't make a play in man coverage. It's like right. we'd still rather the Bucks, or at least I would still rather the Bucks play man to man. And occasionally you get burned, like on the Brandon Ayuk play with Jamel yeah. Dean versus the zone where when they applied to when they tried to play zone. Brock Purdy just dominated every single, you know, aspect of the zone. So, I don't know. Not much changes, really. The defense had a bend but don't break type of uh, situation. The I actually liked how the offense was able to move the ball. I just hated, you know, Baker fumbling when you're in the red zone on a first and five, I might add. It wasn't like it was third down you had right. to make a play. It was first and five. Bucks just got in their own way. Kate Odden should have had a touchdown that, uh, you know, that play wasn't made. I don't necessarily hate how the Bucks played. They just, you know, in crunch time, they didn't really 
they didn't really come up with something. Yeah, and I mean, and that's what separates great teams from mediocre teams or good teams or below average teams, however you want to classify the four and six Buccaneers, however you want to classify them. Okay, fine. The 49ers are an elite team. They're seven and three now, right? And they, they've got an explosive dynamic offense, a lot of weapons and a really good quarterback. And they've got a really good defense and they got over their little three game losing streak and finally got players healthy on that, on their team. And, you know, and and when when they're healthy, look out because this 49ers team, my guess is, Matt, they're going to be right back in the NFC Championship game against the Philadelphia Eagles, more than likely. And yeah. hopefully they have a quarterback that can make it more of a game than, than it was last year when Brock Purdy got knocked out. And um, so, you know, I, I don't fault the Buccaneers for losing this. I, I don't think there was the expectation for myself or anybody in the computer report staff looking at the predictions that they were going to win this game. They fought hard. They battled. They're not as talented. They they make mistakes that elite teams don't make. And yeah. so I, I'm not surprised by the outcome. Um, I think one thing I'm a little surprised by is, you know, Kalasha Kansi didn't really make the type of impact that I was expecting him to make because he's been on a bit of a roll. At the same time, though, there's a lot of injuries. And uh, we saw on Tristan Wirfs come back into the game. He's been battling with that thigh injury, I think, for for weeks now. Yeah, and and so he did come back. Levante David has a groin. Carlton Davis has a hip. Jamel Dean has a foot injury. They had to play. They played Kerry, uh, Kayvon Merriweather an awful lot. The undrafted free agent out of Iowa at safety, and I thought he did did okay. He didn't have any glaring gaffes that I saw. I have to go back and watch the all twenty two for a better picture. But we saw Josh Hayes, the rookie out of Kansas State, who's been a hell of a gunner, really get his first action on defense. Yeah. Pressed into duty. And and then um, Servasia Dennis came in for Levante David, and uh, you know tackles they're not always the best indicator of how well mm-hmm. a player plays, Matt. But when you're you know when you're the middle linebacker of of the team in Devin White, and you're in a contract year, and Christian McCaffrey runs twenty one times for seventy eight yards, and and quite a bit of those were up the middle. It's a little astonishing to see. Devin White finished with three tackles, right? Devin White had three tackles. Servasia Dennis, who came in, what, late at the end of the third quarter? Maybe yeah, the fourth yeah, quarter? Yeah, yeah, second half, yeah. He had two tackles, right? I mean, I'm just talking about snaps here, snaps and, and productive plays. And, and Servasia also missed a couple tackles, but the kid was out there trying hard. Yeah. Um, Devin played the entire game, and how do you have three tackles, right? We saw him get just engulfed in blocks, not being able to shed. How, how about that first touchdown for Christian McCaffrey? Yeah. That was Devin White in coverage, just yeah. lollygagging, getting over to Christian McCaffrey yeah. as if, like, it wasn't a big play or anything. Like, you got to sprint your ass off yeah. to get over there and, and try to make the play. And I get it. The 49ers designed it where you give McCaffrey a running start. Yeah, and a little bit of a rub, yeah. Right. Yeah, and you put a little bit of the obstacle in front of Devin White. But, I don't know, it didn't even look like he was trying to get remotely close right. to well, and uh, I mean, McCaffrey. this is a guy, Matt, that ran a four four two at the combine. He's got speed. I know he's been a little banged up, but everyone's banged up this time of the year. So, yeah, <laughs> Yaya Diaby, a couple of sacks, um, just just a hell of a performance from him. We see why he's getting more reps than Joe Tryon Shoinka. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, we got the super chat from Paul, aka Florida Dreamhouse. Thank you, Paul, for the super chat of five dollars. It says. Must win next week and go on a run. Bucks had their chances today. Our defense is garbage. 49ers are elite. 
Bucks played hard. Now we see how Bucks respond. Yeah, it's funny with the Bucks defense. I feel like they either play really well or they just kind of implode. And yeah. we were teetering on the brink of implosion, especially after you know the the Bucks went or the 49ers went four, 98 yards down the field yeah. on three plays, three quickly plays, yeah, to to score a touchdown. Uh, but yeah, I mean everything is in front of the Buccaneers. They got to win the. 50-50 games, and that's the Colts next week. That's obviously the Saints and, and the Falcons. They got to win those divisional games. Or they, they have to at least – if you're not going to win every single game, you got to at least beat the Falcons so you can even up that tiebreaker. Yeah. And you got to take advantage of playing the Panthers twice. So right. everything's in front of them for sure. Anything is possible. I mean, again, the Falcons have lost three in a row. They lost to the freaking Cardinals last week. The Saints, we'll see what happens with their starting quarterback. If not, Jameis Winston is starting for the Saints. So yeah. um, I wouldn't – I mean, if you want to stress about the Bucs just not being a very good football team, yeah. fine. But I wouldn't stress about the playoff picture just yet because everything's in front of them. Yeah, it's crazy to think, but even at four and six, like you can go down the schedule. And if unless this team just absolutely craps the bed and they've done it a couple times – Yeah on defense or just implodes on offense. And they've done that a couple times too. There are some more winnable games down the stretch here, right? The Tennessee game was a winnable game and they got it. The Falcons game was a winnable game. They lost it. The saints game earlier in the season was a winnable game. They got it. Um, you know, the, the Vikings at the time, that was kind of a winnable game. I thought um, I bet heavy on my bookie on that season opener. I won a ton of money on the bucks winning in week one. And uh, and that was a winnable game, and they and they did it. But then they go to t to Houston against a, a winnable you know Texan team. A Texan team is playing really good football right now. Yeah. But that was a winnable game. They had the lead with 45 seconds left, right? So this team's just going to have to consistently find a way to win these winnable games down the stretch. Whether it's Indianapolis, whether it's and we will see the all pewter uniforms for those jersey uh, aficionados out there, pewter uh, pants, pewter jerseys next week in indianapolis but whether it's that game as you mentioned matt the the opportunity to sweep the panthers with with both those games on the docket to sweep the saints with that that return game here in tampa coming up the falcons game um the jaguars you know are are mighty one week and not so great the next there's opportunities there to make this happen and this is going to tell the tale of todd Bowles's fate in tampa Bucks Basement with the $10 Super Chat says, I don't know how any fan can sit here happy with mediocrity. That'll continue if the Bucks win uh, with the, the NFC South just to get bounced in the wild card and Bowles keeps his job. Zero halftime adjustments, horrible time management. So on the time management thing, I was quite confused at the end. The Bucks got to stop like right before the two-minute warning. Yeah. And Bowles let like 10 seconds off the clock and then – call the timeout yeah. i thought that was very odd you either call the timeout right away or mm -hmm. you let it go to the two minute warning and you pocket that timeout that you can then use when you're on offense that yeah. made absolutely no sense to me at all why he did that uh, bowls is gonna bowls i guess yeah <laughs> yeah he's not the best at, at, at clock management you know and i mean the, he's got a scorecard and the glaciers are keeping score and it's not it's not always just about wins and losses that that is a large portion of it but the glaciers want to see progress and i'm actually recording a pewter pulse about todd bowles right after this podcast it'll be posted 
uh, either later tonight or first thing in the morning on our Pewter Report TV YouTube page. So make sure you check that out. I'll kind of go into that in depth. But uh, Todd Bowles has got a lot of work to do to stay in Tampa as the head coach. Remember, the Glaciers have given every head coach they've hired at least two years. And this is Bowles' second year. So he's got to win. He's got to win this year. And that doesn't necessarily mean nine and eight. And I'll go into more detail about that on the Pewter Pulse. How would you rate how uh, Baker Mayfield played today? Because, you know, at some point people already were bringing up Kyle Trask. Yeah. There are other times Baker could make the throw. Other times Baker did not make the throw. Now he yeah. had a couple of passes that should have been intercepted. Right. At least two, maybe oh, yeah. three. Yep. He got screwed by Kate Otten. They should yep. have had another touchdown pass on yeah. the day. So <laughs> what do you make of uh, what you saw from, from Baker Mayfield? This That's day? a great question, Matt. Um, I'd like to just play that reverse Uno card and give it right back to you to answer that. Because uh, I, I really don't know. Uh, I, I'll go first. On, I definitely want to get your opinion on it because yeah. I'm, I'm really kind of undecided. That's a great question. To me, um, it, it's, not, it's not surprising because uh, I wrote – that Baker is not a difference maker yeah. a couple weeks ago, right? In my two point conversion, that's not to say that Baker is not a good quarterback. Cause I think he is, but in these types of moments, in these types of games, uh, you gotta be able to match Brock Purdy. And I'm not saying necessarily go perfect with your QB rating. Right. Yeah. But if he goes three touchdowns and no interceptions, you kind of have to do that too. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the network TVs, Right. How many times have we seen Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's like, you know, Bucks and Packers and and the quarterbacks don't play against each other. Right. That's it's offense versus defense. It's just yeah. how it is. But it's always built that way. <laughs> but it's built that way. At, yeah. at the same time, though, in big games, your quarterback has to play better than the other guy. Right. So there is a little bit of a head to head in that that particular um, uh, matchup. Um component and and I, I I just don't think Baker Mayfield has enough difference making ability to win these types of games without some serious help from the defense right and and he didn't get yeah. that today I mean no. the Bucks gave up nearly 30 points but they gave 27 um so I, I don't know I, I'm it, it's it, to me against a really good opponent whether it's the Eagles whether it's against the Lions whatever this is this is a typical stat line under 300 yards, one touchdown, one interception, 75.7 QB rating. Could have had some big plays right down the field, missed some big shots. Maybe could have had a touchdown or two, as you as you mentioned, with some drops. But also could have had some interceptions as well with some drops. So when you when you kind of throw all of that in a blender and average it out, yeah, it's like B minus. Exactly. Like, yeah. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I was thinking like if I were going to give a grade on him, I would probably give him like a C plus. Yeah, C plus, B minus. Yeah, because we've seen with Baker, like you know, when the game was close and the Bucks were able to move the ball down the field, Baker was fine. He's going to miss like one to two throws per game. It's just kind of what we've seen this season. But can you overcome those missed throws? And early on, the Bucks were doing exactly what I know I asked of them, which was you know, not just fall into a pattern of sticking with your typical types of runs every single time. Like they made the short passes and the screens to Rashad White an extension of the run game. They did an end around with Devin Tompkins where Baker was blocking. 
Um, yeah. When Baker was playing within the confines of a close game, within the confines of like not having to make the big throw or or get the team going up tempo, right? Baker was fine in those situations. It's when they were starting to go down and they needed to, you know, keep throwing, 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 or whenever yeah. Baker tried to play the hero. I mean, they were down what seven nothing or whatever it was when he fumbled. There was no reason to fumble in that situation. Right. First and five. The play was already five seconds long. Just slide and live to fight another day. Yeah. Later in the game, you know, there, there wasn't one play that Baker made where it was like, oh, my God, wow, what a throw by Baker Mayfield. But we say that all the time about the stars in the NFL. So yeah. Baker never made, like, the big-time throw. He didn't get helped out by his teammates. Um, but, it, you know, it goes back to everything that we said, like, yeah, he can help a team win a division, but he's not going to help a team win a Super Bowl. So I would yeah. give him a, a, a C plus or a B. I think that's fair. Yeah. Watch more All-22 before commenting, <laughs> says Scott. I could not disagree with you more. Mayfield has kept teams in games. It's not about keeping teams in games. It's about winning games. It just is. Mayfield is not playing with the same caliber of support beyond Evans and Godwin. It's not comparable. Uh, yeah, I understand that, right? I mean, the 49ers have got, Really, four big time weapons, right? When you've got Ayuk, you've got Debo Samuel, you've got yeah, Kittle, uh, uh, Kittle, and you've got McCaffrey, right? So it, it's it's not even in that respect. But if you're going to be a great quarterback, right? If you if you're going to be a quarterback that that can beat elite teams, like you got to show up and do that. Um, you, you've got to play maybe above your ability. You've got to elevate the play of others, and. Quite frankly, I don't know that that's him. I don't think that that's, that's Baker. I think with, with a really good supporting cast around him, with a really good defense, I, I think you can win with Baker, but he's not going to be the difference maker. right? He's going to be yeah. the complementary piece that if he, if he doesn't screw up, um, he, he can help your offense make some plays, but he's not going to be the reason why you're going to, to win those games necessarily. And you know what? Brad Johnson was kind of the same way. But the difference is Brad Johnson was playing with a Hall of Fame defense in Tampa, yeah. right? Brad Johnson was the facilitator. He was not the playmaker. Um, and the only reason why they won a Super Bowl with Brad Johnson is because Warren Sapp, John Lynch, Rondé Barber, Derek Brooks, Simeon Rice, Brian Kelly, Greg Spires on down the line. And, and so Shelton Quarles. So um, I, I think you really have got to have a masterful roster. Now, let, let's say this. If, if you put Baker on the 49ers, Matt, could yeah. he could he do what Brock Purdy did today? Probably. I, I, think, I think there's a chance. Yeah, I think there's a chance. Just like if you took Brock Purdy and put him in Tampa Bay's offense, he doesn't beat the 49ers, right? He just doesn't. Yeah. So no, um, yeah, I, I like I like those alternate universe stuff where it's yeah. like, oh, if this quarterback played on on this team, you know what would happen. And yeah. but here's here's one last comment. I have to disagree. I think Baker played his ass off against a really good 49er defense. He put the team in a chance to win. We couldn't capitalize in front of the end zone. I agree, but he didn't ultimately didn't get the job done, and that's what it comes down to. Now he can't throw the ball and catch it at the same time. I'll give yeah. you that. There were some drops. There's no doubt. But what I'm just saying is when we do go back and watch the all 22, there might be some opportunities that he missed that the TV version that we all watch really can't see. But I, I just, we're halfway through, we're more than halfway through the season 
And I just don't think he is the, the difference maker for this team going forward. Yeah, like it feels like when the Bucs go down by 14 points at any moment in the game, it doesn't you're not confident that the Bucs will able to uh come back. You're just yeah. you're just not. And you saw it today, like they pretty much have to play perfectly if they want to get back into the game. And they had two opportunities in the red zone. One was set up by special yeah. teams, and they couldn't execute on either of them. Right. So that's kind of the name of the game. But we got a $10 yeah. super chat from Shaggy. Thank you to yeah. Shaggy, who says, X's and O's aside, Bowles has not shown leadership required of a head coach. Well, his players play for him. Yeah. Uh, so there is, there, they play yeah, hard. They play hard, so there there is that angle to it. There is that respect factor for sure. Um, there are times where Todd Bowles just seems overmatched um, yeah. in, in a lot of different aspects. And obviously his in-game management has yeah. been quite questionable, to, to say the least. I think the three biggest problems with Todd Bowles, I'll probably have everybody agree with me on this, is number one, clock management, game management, right? That's, yeah. that's an issue. He's not elite at that. He's not good at that. I think at best on certain on some games he's average and some games he's below average, right? Number two, he's too slow to move on personnel wise, mm -hmm. right? And imagine how many sacks or plays Yaya Diaby, Yaya Diaby could have now if he would have been playing more snaps earlier in the season instead of having to split so much time with Nelson and with with uh, JTS and with Jack Barrett. And I know what Bull said after the game, they have a rotation. And, and I understand the whole part about a rotation because it does keep your players fresh. Uh, it doesn't wear them out. It helps prevent injury, it, all those things. And it, that's worthy. But at, at some point in time, when it's crunch time, I don't care if it's, well, Casey Rogers says, this is the, you know, this is Shaq Barrett and JTS series. And then the next series will be Nelson and Diaby. No, you don't do that. When the game's on the line, when you need to stop, you need your best players in there. I don't care if you got to mix and match and say, yeah. we're going to put Shaq out there with Yaya on, on this third down. Um, I'm not a big believer in the static. Uh, we're going to get these guys X amount of plays. You got to have a hot feel for who's playing well, and you got to keep playing that guy. These are professional athletes that are well conditioned, they can play four quarters. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And if you don't believe me, like every snap four quarters, if you don't believe me, um, ask Tristan Wirfs, Robert Hainsey, Aaron Stinney, Cody Malk, and Luke Gedeke. When healthy, those five guys play every freaking snap in the game. Okay? So defensive linemen can still do that too. And and so he's been slow to make some of these guys getting Ryan Neal out of the lineup and and not not putting enough playmakers on there, not playing the young guys enough. And then I think the third thing is some of his coverages are just too complicated. There's too many busts yeah. to ha have with veteran players. And I'm not sure what goes on in the in practices, if he's stalling stuff that week and they're not grasping it in the three practices they have during the week or not. I, I don't know. But he's very hit and miss as a play caller. When it's good, it's great, Matt. Yeah. But it's when unreal. it's bad, it's awful. Yeah, and it, to your point about um, you know making adjustments with with personnel, putting certain players in, and certain putting certain players out, seems like Bowles is way more reactive than proactive, yes. and you Agreed. need him to be proactive um, in those situations. 
Someone asked before, like, should he give up his play calling duties? I don't think he would ever even like think about that. You Not know? now. And, no. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe before the season starts, but who's he going to give him to? Larry Foote's never called plays before. You don't yeah. do that mid season. And Casey Rogers, I mean, you tell me, Matt, how, how was that Jets defense when Casey Rogers calling plays up there? Uh, I mean, it wasn't as good as like the Rex Ryan defenses no. or the current Jets defense was just pretty good. Um, Do you remember any games where where the Jets won and you're like, wow, Casey Rogers outcoached nah. know, whoever? <laughs> no, okay. not at all. That's not what I'm all. saying. To be fair, it was a, was a while ago. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't. I don't think we're at that point where it's like Todd Bowles has to stop calling plays. You just, right, right. You hope he gets it right. Uh, thank you to Bucks Basin for this $5 super chat who says, Scott, can you please ask Bowles why he carries timeouts to halftime? This is the fifth game in a row where he carries all the timeouts to halftime. That's a problem. Yeah, I think some of it is situational, right? Whether it's you're getting the ball back with 20 seconds left and you know you got to go 80 yards or whatever, or I don't know. I mean, you'd say five games. I, I got to go back and think about it. It's circumstantial, yes. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there were some times, you know, sometimes, and, and I know no coach wants to kind of, um, this isn't like basketball where you're given like, what, 80 timeouts in a game. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like all of a sudden, you know, your team's giving up an 8-0 run. You got to call timeout and gather the troops and calm everybody down, get them a little bit of water. You have three per half. And Sometimes you don't want to have to burn a timeout just to settle people down or whatever, right? Like you want to save your timeouts for the last field goal before the half, right? Or stopping the clock, you know, to save time for the touchdown, you know, whatever. But yeah, there are times I think where where Bowles probably should make a more conscious effort to look at the game, read the tail of the tape and how it's going and, and, you know, are they going to get the ball back? And, how much time is left and should we just use a timeout to settle down the defense and, and really get a, a good third down call? You know, maybe, maybe that's where I want to see better use of the timeouts is, is in that instance, like let's, let's not just, just, just yeah. let it play and, and carry the, the timeouts in, into halftime. Yeah. That, and I always feel the timeouts are, it's more important saving them in the second half where you don't want the whole, yeah. the whole like, Oh, we need to call a timeout because the play clock is, yeah. is running out. I think that's okay to do in the first half, which I guess is a credit to the Bucks offense. I don't re- really remember too many situations this season where I'm like, snap the ball, snap the ball, snap yeah. the ball, which it was a bit of an issue last season, but kudos to Baker and Dave Canales, uh, being on the same page there. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny because we talk about how there's so many breakdowns. And even today, like George Kittle was wide open. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, for, for his touchdown, this is their worst game in terms of defending tight ends, except for the, the Texans game, which is a complete yeah. thing in, in of its own. But yeah, that might be one of those situations where if you're having so many breakdowns, maybe call a timeout on a third and five in the second quarter when they're trying to yeah. like get into field goal range, you know, something like that. I agree. I don't think it's the end all be all, but yeah, so something to something to ponder for sure. We got this two dollar super chat from Eric Moreno who says chances David Dean and Davis play next week. Yeah, the Bucks are dropping like flies in this game, and that was even yeah. before the whole Tristan Wirfs thing. Yeah, um, I don't know Dean's injury when when we saw the video of him getting carted to the locker room. Obviously, when you're not walking to the locker room and you have your foot off and it's wrapped, and you're being carted to the locker room, that's not good. 
Yeah. <laughs> so um, we'll see what the x-rays say, but I don't know if it's a broken foot or really bad ankle sprain or, or, or what, but Dean didn't play well, but this is adding injury to, to insult. And uh, so I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and with Davis, he has a hip injury. Uh, he seems like he's always injured. And, and I, yeah. I wrote about it in my SRS Fab Five. I don't think that the, the Buccaneers keep Carlton Davis for the lack of plays that he makes, for how much money he makes, which is more than Dean. Yeah. And the fact that he's a couple years into that contract now, I think money-wise you have to hang on to Dean because he just signed yeah. his four-year extension. But with Carlton, you can save some money next year by parting ways with him and just for the, the amount of games he misses and the lack of plays that he makes. I thought his tackling was was terrible today. I know yeah. he's not at 100%, but, I mean, he missed a lot of tackles. There you see with Debo Samuel. Um, I, I just don't think he's going to be back. I think he's one of those cap casualty guys. And, uh, you know, not that I'm jumping up and down or beating the table for Zion McCollum to start in place of him, but they're going to have to do something at the cornerback position. And, you know, I, um, I, I think – Josh Hayes might be a better safety than corner. That's what he played at Kansas State. He was a corner early in his career at North Dakota State. We'll see what what happens. I'm not saying he's the answer, but I mean, there's just not a lot of guys right now uh, that are that you can say, "Oh yeah, Carlton," and and just stick this guy in and and be the guy. I, I don't know if Zion is is ready for that. The problem for Carlton is with the money that he's getting. Yeah, he's not recording interceptions he only has a handful of pass breakups but if you're not going to be the guy that is making these interceptions and big plays well then you got to be a lockdown yeah. shutdown corner. An eraser yeah yeah where you're erasing one side of the field or taking one player out of the game and that hasn't been the case either with Carlton this season and as we said maybe the injuries are a big part of it but he's not playing up to his contract at the moment so that'll yeah. be something to monitor for the offseason you heard us talk about the injuries to jamel dean and other players yeah that sucks for jamel dean and all the guys there's only one thing i could think of that could you know maybe cheer them up a little bit while while they're down both because of injuries and because the team lost and maybe someone's got to give them a uh, celsius energy drink which is the presenting sponsor of the peter report podcast so many great flavors the cosmic vibe is their newest one out there i love the arctic vibe the sparkling orange and the orange pomegranate and the sparkling watermelon is fantastic as well. There is no sugar, no post-energy drink crash or jitters that you may get with another product out there. So if you need to know where to find a Celsius energy drink, go to the store locator on their website. Uh, punch in your address, and it'll tell you the closest location where you can pick one up. It could be your local Walmart, 7-Eleven, health and fitness store. Or if you're lucky enough, it might just be your bodega. Bodega, and when you're at your bodega, buy one for Yaya Diaby. Yeah. Say congrats on your two sacks. Yaya deserves all the Celsius for the way that uh, that he's been playing. And uh, maybe if you want to order Yaya Diaby Celsius in bulk, you could have it shipped to your residence whenever you want. I'd recommend getting that variety pack as variety of spice of life. Um, go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save and have it sent to your place of residence every week, month, quarterly or yearly. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. Make Celsius your number one pick, the official energy drink of the Pewter Post Game Show and PeterReport.com. Let's keep these super chats rolling in. Appreciate everybody that is uh, super chatting us at the moment. Shout out to Deontay Incel for the 499 super chat who says... 
if Baker wants to continue to play quarterback in this league, he should give 13 Mike Evans and Chris Godwin more chances to make plays. I know the offensive coordinator plays a part though. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, yeah. very curious true, with though. the, Deep with up. the play calls, right. When it came to Chris Godwin, not getting a target in the first half. And I think Mike yeah. Evans only having one. It's crazy, right? I, um, this is one of those games I really wasn't checking the stats a whole bunch as the game was going on, but I was astonished to see Mike Evans being targeted 12 times. He went up with five catches for only 43 yards yeah. in a touchdown, right? I mean, all those catches were just so kind of, you know, inconsequential. And uh, I mean, first down here, you know, a little catch there. The touchdown was certainly nice. Uh, they needed that right before halftime, but Six catches for 39 yards for Chris Godwin. I mean, th that's just, you're talking what's uh, quick math, 82 yards between both of them. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just, that's not good enough. And so you look at the, the Bucks get out, gained 420 to 287 yards. The biggest thing is just the average yards per play. The 49ers is 7.1. The Buccaneers, 4.3. Uh, everything was just kind of, really, really kind of short dink and dunk type stuff. Yeah. and. And they, they were able to move down the field a little bit, but they never threatened with the big play outside of Rakeem Jarrett's 41-yard catch and run. Um, credit Dave Canales for for realizing uh, Hufanga was out of the game yeah. and, and took advantage of that. Uh, other than that, Devin Tompkins had a 17-yard end around. The longest uh, run from scrimmage was that. You look at Rashad White, a seven-yard gain was his longest run. I thought he ran okay. But certainly not the big play element that you need to be able to go toe to toe with an explosive offense like the 49ers. Kate Otten had a 27 yard gain. The longest gain for Mike Evans was 13 yards. The longest from Chris Godwin was 11, right? So uh, just not explosive enough of, of an offensive performance. And, and, uh, you know, that played right into the 49ers' hands. We're at the point that, you know, Mike's still your number one weapon on this team. We're at the point Rashad White is your second best weapon just how he's being used what yeah. he's been able to do i mean you never want a player to get injured at all ever the reason why hufunga got injured was because that because rashad white had him on ice wrecked his knee split. yeah 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 well, he was breaking didn't even touch him that was there. a non-contact injury but you're right you know rashad white uh six catches 28 yards again 49ers do a good job of rallying to tackle he made something out of nothing a couple times as long as Reception was 11 yards out of those six catches. So he finished with, uh, what, 58 yards. A little, you know, obviously you want him to have more, but it just was tough sledding, man. The 49ers defense is good. Yeah. Really good. And I thought the pass protection overall did a yeah. pretty solid job. Yeah, uh, I would yeah, I would say so. Protecting, uh, Baker. Corey Gist with a $10 Super Chat says, playoffs, dot, dot, dot. Ta and I have, I don't know who Ta is, but, uh, and I have come to accept it but we got to see what trans can do for a few games because with this team we're due for a high draft pick and who's really worth moving up a few spots to get them yeah i think if we're going to see trask it, and it's not due to like a baker mayfield injury i don't see it coming to maybe the last couple games of of the uh of the season matt i don't think they would go to trask and, unless they're mathematically out of the yeah. playoffs I, I think that they're going to ride with Baker all the way through. And if Trask gave them a better option, they would play him. Head coaches, typically, sometimes Todd Bowles chooses not to, but typically 
head coaches will play the best players, the players who do have the best chance of helping their job security go up, up, up. And uh, sometimes Todd Bowles doesn't do that, but I think uh, in this case, he's going to ride with Baker and, until they're out of it mathematically, which they might not be until the very well, end. Well, that's what I was going to say. That's the problem is that the Bucks are going to be in this until the end of the season. And if Pretty they're well not, it's be. because the rails have completely fallen yes. off. And then at that point, you might as well try to change it. Yeah. Um, thank you to Eric Moreno for this $5 super chat. who says, typing this caught my left thumb in my dad's door, but I'm okay. <laughs> Go Bucks must win next week. Eric. Sorry about your injury. Yeah. Hope you're feeling better. Let us know if you are uh, questionable or right. uh, limited. In, <laughs> let me, if this was practice, are you not participating, limited participation, <laughs> full participation? They might and, need you in the secondary. Yeah. You know, Eric. we got questions about Levante, Carlton, and Jamel. Yeah. Who's more likely to play next week, Eric Moreno or right. Carlton Davis? Uh, but anyway, thank you for the super chat. Hope your thumb feels better soon. Hopefully – some uh, you know Thanksgiving meals and uh, a Bucks win next Sunday could could help uh, heal that up pretty quickly. Yep. Got a four ninety nine super chat from Lucas Petis. Thank you, Lucas. Who says I have to ask you guys what's the point of winning the division just to get destroyed in the playoffs when we can get a better draft pick? I get what you're saying. I mean, it's a pride thing. You want to go out there, as Herm Edwards once said, you play to win the game. Right. These guys are prideful guys. Yeah. Um, for certain players, stats and certain milestones helps get you more money uh, with contract incentives and bonuses. Yeah. And, you know, even if you're a bad team, which I'm not saying the Bucs are a bad team. I right. think they're an average team. Even when a bad team, you know, you might have two wins on the season. You win one more game. That makes you feel a hell of a lot better. And, you know, yeah. players, there's free agency every single year. So, some players right now probably don't give a damn about right. trying to get a better draft because they might well, not even be on this team next season. Yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, I, I could I could read off the names of the players and the coaches that don't give a damn about the draft pick, but that would yeah. end the show because it would take me about 20 minutes to rattle off every single Buccaneer player on the practice squad and injury reserve on the 53-man roster and every single coach in the building. They don't care. They don't give a crap about the draft pick next year. They don't. So they're the ones who are playing, okay? They're the ones yeah. who are who are playing. I don't care if the Glazers care about the draft pick. I don't care if Jason Light cares about the draft pick. At the end of the day, the coaches coach, the players play, and they're the ones who decide the outcomes of these games. So I I don't think that, that they're – listen, we all saw what happened at the end of the Saints game back in 2014 – for the Bucks to get Jameis Winston, right? They did tank the second half of that game, right? We were talking about that on Friday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they tanked that game, right? But they're not going to start tanking now. They're just not. And the other thing is this. You can go back, and and I'll, I'll read some names here uh, real quick when it comes to the uh, this particular uh, draft. Let's go back to 2018, right? And uh, Baker Mayfield was the number one overall pick. I, I don't think that he has been the best quarterback to come out of that draft. I think most people would agree. But was it Sam Darnold who was picked third overall? I don't think so, right? Matt, you can attest to that. Nope. Uh, Josh Allen was the seventh overall pick. I think that he's better than Darnold and Baker Mayfield, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the seventh overall pick. Then you have Josh Rosen at 10. He obviously was not very good at all. Former Buccaneer great. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he had a cup of coffee in Tampa. 
Uh, and then the last quarterback taken in the first round in 2018 was number 32, this guy named Lamar Jackson. Yeah, pretty so, damn good, right? <laughs> yeah, sometimes you having the top pick or, or second pick doesn't mean anything. There weren't any quarterbacks worth a damn in the Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston draft in 2015. So it didn't matter if you had the first or second overall pick. Um, this this draft class, you know, and and we we how many times have we seen uh, Mitch Trubisky right picked what second overall? Yeah. You know, Bears gave up a win or Forty Hours gave up a windfall to go up and get him. Um, who drafted him? The bear the Bears draft. The Bears did. Yeah. Oh, the Forty ers went up to get Trey Lance. Yeah. Sorry, I had my my franchises confused there. Going up to get a guy, and he wasn't worth a damn, right? So all I'm saying is 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 you you can draft a, a guy and maybe Caleb Williams is is everything or maybe he's the next Kyler Murray, um, maybe Drake May is the guy or maybe I don't know somebody like Patrick Mahomes who was drafted tenth overall. Yeah, right. The Chiefs the Chiefs just chilled yeah. <laughs> and then waited right. and then they got the best quarterback. Yeah, arguably when his career is done, maybe the greatest quarterback to ever play. Yeah. Yeah, this so. is going to be a mega draft class of quarterbacks. You might have as many as five or six taken in the first round. Uh, between Penix and Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels, not to mention you know maybe Riley Leonard, um, Shadur Sanders. If he comes out, I don't think he's a first rounder, but I mean he you know you see these guys rise too, Matt. We didn't we didn't think at this time last year Anthony Richardson would be the fourth overall pick. Yeah, exactly. in the draft, but yeah, it happened. So and that's why you have to look at the entire body of work too, because a month ago Caleb Williams was the coolest thing since sliced bread. Yeah, and now USC they keep losing. Obviously, a big part of his USC's defense. But um, yeah, I mean, you got you got to look at everything. Yep. Nicola, thank you for the four ninety nine super chat. Who says hate giving up wide open catches, especially Dean? Jesus, hate <laughs> dropping two touchdowns. We need discipline. Yeah. Still a young offense. We'll get there, boys. Yeah, I mean, I think every game there's been a couple of positives to to take away from. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I'm I'm tired of hearing. Oh, we had a busted coverage. George Kittle was wide open. You know, yeah. Debo Samuel made a catch where he had no defender yeah. around him for 10 yards as he started running down the field. Ayuk, yeah. you know, got the better of Jamel Dean. That was a big play, obviously. Sure. Big time play. Um, but, yeah, just too many costly mistakes for the Bucs. And penalties wasn't even an issue for the Bucs in this game. Right. But they they find another way to. Yeah. You know, the the other thing, too, is, and I know it's happened in, in other games against maybe lesser uh foes and, and it's a little maddening to see these these uh guys running open whether it's in zone or in man and it's frustrating at the same time let's give some credit where credit is due Ayuk's going to be a thousand yard receiver right yeah. again kittle is a is one of the best tight ends in the game pro bowler McCaffrey is one of the best running backs in the game pro bowler um debo samuel is a tremendously talented guy that can do a lot of things he's great after the catch He's, he's a really good yak guy because of his physicality, and he can make you miss. Um, that combined with Kyle Shanahan, who knows how to put those chess pieces on the board and get winning moves with them, I mean, it's a dangerous combination, right? I mean, Kyle Shanahan's a damn good offensive coach. Yeah. Look at his coaching tree, right? So I'm just saying it's like Todd Bowles, it's not like he lost to some chump guy at, with, right. without you know weapons. He lost to an elite team with great weapons. And, and a, an elite head coach in terms of offensive play caller. And I'm not yeah. saying moral victories, and I'm not saying that that should be okay, but it, but we can't deny what happened. And, yeah, and that's it, what happened. He got outcoached, and they got outplayed. 
If I one week's team, this offense has always been an issue for Todd yeah. Bowles. Uh, but the cool thing yeah. about the 49ers is that they make it a lot of fun when you play underdog fantasy, which, of course, the pick them so much fun. You pick at least two players, one from each team, can go all the way up to five and win all the way up to 20 times your money as well. You're just picking a higher or lower on a certain number of stats, whether it's receiving yards, passing touchdowns, uh, whatever it is. It makes it super fun, especially if you're watching a game, for example, the Sunday night game tonight, the Vikings and the Broncos, and you don't really care about either team. Make some picks on Underdog Fantasy with their pick game. So much fun to do. Promo code is Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. Get a first deposit bonus playing Underdog Fantasy. Um, you could also do the rivals matchups where you pin one player against another. They got in-season tournaments as well. And like I said, the pick is awesome to do. So shout out Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. Get a first deposit bonus with Underdog Fantasy. We got fair amount of more Super Chats to get into. So without any further ado, Eric Moreno with another Super Chat, $2, says Levante David seems like he'll be okay. We need him. They absolutely need him because uh, they are screwed at inside linebacker if he's not there. Devin White keeps playing so inconsistently. And then obviously you got KJ Britt and a rookie in Cervase Dennis. So everyone get well soon, but Levante especially get well soon. Um, Keith Murphy, the unbeaten with the $1.99 Super Chat says, what are your thoughts on Brock Purdy? This good or the system? I'm going to say the system, but I I don't think Brock Purdy is trash by any means. But, I mean, this guy was the last pick of the draft, and he comes in with great weapons around him, a great offensive coordinator or offensive play caller. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to go the system, but I don't want to – I'm not dissing Brock Purdy because of it. You're muted, Scott. Sorry about that. Are you wearing a Bucky shirt, Matt? I am. I figured I figured this game was going to be a blowout. Why not wear something yeah. that could cheer the people up a little bit? Exactly. And of course, it reminds me of the senior bowl, which has been yeah. on our minds lately. Oh yeah, no doubt. No, just that's awesome, Matt. That, that's, that's what makes you, you Matt is brilliance <laughs> like that. I love it. Love the Bucky shirt. Uh, my, my wife just came back from Georgia uh, with, uh, with my father-in-law and they stopped off at Bucky's. And after this po podcast, I'm going to get down on a brisket sandwich. Oh, okay. let's go. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so yeah, I, I agree with you, Matt. I think if you, if you take Brock Purdy and put him in Tampa with the same offense Baker has to work with, I, I don't think he's as good as Baker, but I think for the system and how he's being coached to play there, I think he's, he's pretty good in that system. Shout out to Donta Mason for the 1999 Super Chat. Thank you, Donta, who says, every time Jamel got beat, he gets hurt. But overall, overall, there are a better time. Uh, I did see some greatness from Yaya. Yeah, if you want to build on some positives, yeah, Yaya was great today. Yeah, I thought Josh Hayes was fine when, when he was in the game. Some yeah. good performances from the rookies. Uh, you know, yeah. Kalijah was a little bit of a, you know, one second too late type of situation yep. sometimes, but overall you're, you'd be pleased with how Kalash has done yeah. throughout his, his rookie season. And he's a rookie. He's, he's not going to show out every game. He's not going to be yeah. like every week at a sack right. or whatever. There's going to be some growing pains and this guy's still catching up from not having training camp and the regular season, uh, the first couple games. So he's, he's still, he's, he's four games behind where he should be. And he's mm -hmm. a preseason behind where he should be. And he's never going to catch up to that until the offseason, 
but he can kind of hit the reset button and look at his film and, and all those things. It's just unfortunate, but that's just how it is. Um, but yeah, the interesting thing with Jamel is he does get hurt after he gives up big plays. I remember Pop Warner, sometimes, you know, you see a kid give up a touchdown and I don't say they fake an injury, but it's like, oh, my hamstring, you know? Yeah. And then, and then you see him like running around after the game, right? <laughs> playing, playing tag with their buddies and all that. And you're like, yeah, you really want that hurt. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I think I think Jamel's hurt, though. I mean, he was carted off the field. Yeah, foot wrapped. I think there's some serious injuries there. But unfortunately, he's getting to be like Carlton Davis, where these guys just can't stay on the field. And it's getting paid an awful lot of money not to play. They haven't had too many games where Carlton and Jamel are playing at the same time. Yep. Granted, they're on different sides of the field right. with, the, with the, the spots that they play at. But, you yep. know, they haven't really been a full strength at corner yep. in quite a while. And yeah. Agreed. Jamel landed pretty hard when he jumped for that ball yeah. and IU touchdown. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting week uh, of practice to see who is practicing and who is not on yeah. a day-to-day uh, -day basis. The Buck Standard with the $5 Super Chat, thank you, says, has Izian still been playing good? Start Started the season off hot, but haven't really. heard his name much lately. Yeah, he's he's cooled off significantly. I wouldn't be like, oh, you know why the Bucs have played so poorly against the Texans and yeah. – Everything they did today, Christian Izian. I, I wouldn't say that's necessarily the case, but um, yeah, his his, uh, his his hot start has yeah. certainly cooled off. Yeah, I, I would agree, and um, uh, th that's one thing we we kind of mentioned on the podcast earlier this week. If if y'all were, were were watching, is that's kind of what we've not been maybe diving into as much. Is is yeah, he it's been Ryan Neal out there, uh, not having some bust in coverage and not playing that well. But Christian Izzian also is really going through some rookie growing pains. And it's just in terms of like not getting to his landmark when and where he needs to be in zone yeah. coverage, things like that, that have been costly. It just hasn't been as apparent because he hasn't given up touchdowns the way that, that Neil has. But yeah, he's not been great by any means. No, he has not. Um, we got $1.99 super chat from John Mark Petty. Thank you. Who says, I don't think Baker's the issue. Too many drops. I think it was a team effort today in this yeah. loss. You know, whether it's the defense yeah. allowing some big plays or guys wide open, Baker fumbling, mm -hmm. Baker nearly getting picked, some drops as well. Everyone contributed yeah. to this loss. I don't look at this and say Baker is the main reason that the Bucks lost, but he Correct. obviously played a big part of it. Yep. He changed that momentum early because it was like, hey, the offense is doing something. Look at it. And then bam, he fumbled and Everything else went off to the races. So Baker didn't – he wasn't the solution, but he wasn't the problem. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's well said. I couldn't say any any better than than you did, Matt. Moving on. Meets McGee. Thank you for this $5 super chat. Who says, geez, people, players and coaches not training all summer in Satan's a-hole <laughs> considered tanking. I mean, it's yeah. a good point. Like, think about it yeah. from – let's just say Dave Canales' perspective. Right. This is his first opportunity to be – an offensive coordinator, and we'll see how the rest of the season goes. But even if things are going poorly, why would Dave Canales all of a sudden just be like, yeah. oh, you know what? We're going to tank, so I'm going to make bad calls and, and yeah. help our team this lose. This might be his only exactly. shot as a play caller. Like this exactly. season, this might be it. And and to, for him to want to tank to work with a rookie quarterback next year, he's not thinking that way. He's just yeah. not. Todd Bowles, is, is he wants to stay employed as Tampa Bay's head coach. And this is his last shot. He's not going to be a head coach yeah. again anywhere. 
and he wants to keep his job. So no, there, there's no tanking going on right now. They're they're not about that. There's um, nothing guaranteed for any of these guys. So again, to go back to Canals, it's like they could Canals could get fired after the season, and he may never have a uh, you know a, a play calling opportunity right. again, just based off what they saw in Tampa Bay. But if you keep it moving, and if you lose games, you could say, ah, oh, well, I have the offense doing this. Maybe if I had a different quarterback or blah, yeah. blah, blah, whatever it is. And he's in a new system or a, a new, a new place with the better offense right. around him. So, yeah, I mean, every game's kind of an audition. So, yeah, it's, it's almost kind of like, well, you know, Hey, if I had Eric gross on my team and I'm trying to sell my house, he can help me sell it because he's really good at his job and he's going to yeah. give me the top dollar for it. And you know what folks that can happen. Or maybe you're looking to buy a home and you want to find not just a nice house, but the right home in the right neighborhood. That's where you need Eric Gross to come in with the Eric Gross group. It takes a full team effort to win a football game, takes a full team effort to win in real estate. The Eric Gross group, they've done hundreds of transactions in this crazy real estate market. They've got the experience that you need in all types of situations. So draft Eric, sign him on as a free agent, trade for him, do whatever you have to do. Eric is an avid Peter Report reader. He's a Tampa native. He knows the area like the back of his hand. His dad was stationed at McDill Air Force Base. He and his team have got the market knowledge, the top-notch communication, the commitment to excellent service. That's what sets them apart. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, here's what you got to do. Go to housesinfla.com, housesinfla.com. That's their website. It's great websites laid out perfectly. Check out their inventory or give Eric a call. Tell him what you're looking for or tell him what you need in terms of having to sell your home. 513-907-4271. That's 513-907-4271. You're not going to to meet a nicer guy than Eric. Uh, he wants to form a lifelong friendship, not just look at you as a transaction like some of the real estate agents do. That's not how they operate. Don't let the stress of buying a home or selling a home keep you out of the game. No matter where you are in your home ownership journey, you're going to feel welcome with the Eric Gross Group, the official realtor of Peter Report. Again, visit houses and FLA.com. Before we wrap up the show, we got one more super chat. This one comes from uh, Furu Kawab. Thank you for the $5 super chat who says, can someone explain the 49er salary cap? <laughs> How can they afford a roster like that? Great question. I don't know all the numbers in front of me of the 49er yep. salary cap, but your quarterback's on a rookie contract. Right. Um, Great point. So I know Kittle, Debo, and McCaffrey have like their big contracts. Ayuk, I think, is still on. He on might a be on his rookie deal. Yeah, I think he's he was a first a... rounder. He might have even been on a fifth round if he's not in the fourth fourth year of his deal. Yeah, so, yeah. so he's on his rookie deal. Um, I don't know about the defensive side of the ball because I know they gave Bosa a big contract. It's a yeah. Kudos to John Lynch. I mean, to to keep that roster. Well, at the intact. same time, I mean, the Buccaneers could afford AB and and Gronk and yeah. all these guys as well because they put it on the credit card. Right. Exactly. So when your Super Bowl window is open, you got to go for broke and you got to make the trade for Chase Young. I mean, you saw Jason Light do that, right, with the trade for Gronk, signing yeah. Brady, then then getting A.B., signing Leonard Fournette, even though some of those deals were were, were very kind of cap friendly deals at the time. Mm-hmm. It, it just made all the difference in the world, because when that window is open, you got to go for it. You just have to. Question here from Nathan uh, Moran. Scott, does Jason almost have to resign Mike Evans given the lack of depth at wide receiver and the fact that there's no way the offense improves without him? Yeah, the Bucs are not going to be a better team without Mike Evans next year. I mean, sure. I think everyone can agree to that. 
I think it's going to come down to they're going to let him test free agency. They're going to see what that number is. Jason and Mike have got a great relationship. Remember, Mike was Jason's first ever draft pick as general manager. Um, there's a ton of total mutual respect. Um, Mike wasn't happy he didn't get a new deal, but he's not holding that against the Buccaneers. I think that he will allow the Buccaneers to match whatever offer he gets. Mm-hmm. And then Mike's going to have to decide. If Chicago decides to open the checkbook, right, and pay him something like $25 million a year, and maybe the Bucks don't want to pay him that much, they're going to say, well, first of all, uh, you're paying Chicago money. You're getting paid Chicago money with all that taxes in Illinois. It's the equivalent mm-hmm. down here is like maybe $22 million. I'm just using that as a as a as um, uh, an example. Um, but we'll see. Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, Levante David, the Buccaneers lucked out when all three of those markets for those players were not as robust as those players thought it would be. Yeah. And they came back to Tampa. I think Mike is probably going to get less than he thinks he's going to get. We'll see. I'm not saying he's not deserving. I just don't think the market's going to be super strong for a receiver that's going to be 31 next year and, and, and does have some drops, let's be honest. But yeah. But we'll see. I, I don't think the Mike Evans chapter is over yet in Tampa. I'm not saying he's going to be re-signed, but I'm not saying he's not going to be back either. All we can do is hope and hope that he ends up back with the uh, Buccaneers. And I hope that you guys, if you're not already doing so, I hope that you could please follow us on all of our social media at Peter Report on X, Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. And then, of course, our YouTube channel is Peter Report TV. We have podcast multiple times a week pewter picks and props pewter pulse various videos from uh practice and all that fun stuff so just check it out by the way another super chat from meets mcgee thank you for the two dollars super chat says come on guys only 35 likes hit the like button please do that appreciate it and subscribe leave a comment as well after the show um we'll have another one tomorrow fortunately not a victory monday but it is roll call we always have a ton of fun doing roll call on mondays so uh we'll have that at four o'clock tomorrow. But until then, for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks everybody for watching. We love you, Peter people. And we'll see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Out. Out. <laughs>